Come in. Kamal Khan to see you. Bond has escaped. How careless of you. I apologize. Oh, by the way, Kamal, I'd like you to meet my new house guest. Uh, an old friend of the family, you might say. How lovely. You have a nasty habit of surviving. Oh, you know what they say about the fittest? Oh, the pussy, I would enjoy another opportunity to take care of Mr. Bond personally. I will take care of Mr. Bond myself. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eighteen. Of Do You Expect Us to Talk podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca, and with me, as always, are Chris and Dave. Say hi. Hello. Say hi, Dave. Hi, how are you doing? Oh. Hi, Dave. <laughs> I was just. Hello, just Dave. Sorry, how's it going? Yeah, no one's listening. <gasps> Who is listening to you, Dave? Don't worry. Not yet, because it hasn't gone live yet. That's a... Anyway, this time we're kicking off the Battle of the Bonds. We're going to kick off with Octopussy. Starring Audrey Moore, Maud Adams, Louis Jordan, Kabir Bidi, with a screenplay by George MacDonald Fraser, Richard Maybaum, and Michael G. Wilson, with a score by John Barry, directed by John Glenn, and released in 1983. So, what do you reckon to Octopussy? Um, I, yeah, I, I, I've always kind of enjoyed this. I think Octopussy was uh, 83, was it, not? 83, yeah. 83. So we're officially in a Bond film that that was made in my existence. I, I, I was Not alive this. around this time. <laughs> I, I was a thing. I was kicking about. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I, think it changes their approach to it. No, no. I'm, no. Just, I'm just talking about my own sensibility. It's like, yes, yeah, so we're finally in the bonds where I existed. Um, yeah, so I've always enjoyed Dr. Boss. It's always been like, like a kind of a favourite Roger Moore for me. Um, not sure why. I think I've just always kind of grown up with it. Kind of, I've always had a good sense of fun about it, and I, I and I still, I still today enjoy it. I, I think it's a bit of a an odd mix. I think it's um, probably the most Roger Moore film that uh, Roger Moore has done in terms of his Bond films. I know Spy is a favourite, but I think this is more like the Arctic. You know the the typical Roger Moore thing. You know, if you say throw on a typical Roger Moore James Bond film, this is the, this is it for me. This is like this is the classic example. I mean, we've got Let Let Die, which is a bit darker, a bit like a bit of a curveball James Bond. You know, and we've we've done Spy. I think that's probably is what most people consider not Dave, obviously, but <laughs> it's, it's a swan song. But um, yeah, I. I, I think this is probably not not to say the best, but his most typical Bond film, and I you know and I I enjoy it for the most part, um, even though it's messy in places. Yeah, that's it. It's like when people tend to slag off 
sorry. Um, yeah, when they tend to diss the Roger Moore movies, this is a sort of period that they tend to talk about the most to kind of really, he's getting on a little bit and you can see he doesn't do his own stunts. Yeah, I completely agree that it's probably it's one of the most cheesy ones that he's done and it's one of the most enjoyable as well. What do you reckon, Dave? I, I just think this is, <clears throat> this is all the cliches of Roger Moore writ large. Because if you said if you said to somebody who doesn't like Roger Moore, why don't you like Roger Moore? I think they would describe this film. They would describe somebody who's way too old in the role, massively mismatched on age to his leading lady, uh, tonally unsettled films in that like some dark bits juxtaposed with incredibly goofy humour. None of that humour particularly funny. Um, really flat direction. That's more about the fact that like John Glenn was there at this point. And it's just... This film does... Oh, and the other thing, of course, is that all of Roger Moore's films are about sort of two, uh, two hours five, two hours ten, and they feel much longer. So, yeah, I didn't have a good time with this film. I've never had a good time with this film, and I tried really, really hard tonight. I, I want to like this film, or I at least want to um, understand why some people don't hate it. But it's the Bond film I've seen least, and I honestly think at this point his age is ruinous. Oh dear. It, it isn't just a question of, well, he's a bit too old. Well, he was too old last week. He was a bit too old in Moonraker if we really push it. But he's even older next film. time around. The film was good, whereas now. If you start, you know, talking about the pluses and minuses of the film, uh, his age is actually a problem. I see. I to me, I don't think. Thinking about the film now, I don't think he looks. I think he looks about the same as he did last week in in Fury's Only. I think you know. I mean, yes, he he is too old. You know, there's no getting around that. But I think we've all kind of come used to it. I mean, by. Beautiful kill. I, I think it's it it, it it is it it's 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 the one where it's it is really prevalent. It's it's come beyond a joke now. But yeah, it's really obvious there, isn't this, it? But this time round, I mean, I've, I've I've kind of personally said it. I think I think this is the one he should have ste- he should he should have like this should have been his last one. This 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 is the one that he should have said. All right, now I'm I'm out. I'm done now. Because um, I think it by by next time it it becomes. I find it hard to believe anyone can defend him being in this one. I mean, th- this is ludicrous now. He, he, if he had like white wait hair, till next week. But... <laughs> well, if he had white hair, he would be Leslie Nielsen. He would. I mean, if you go back to Live and Let Die, he's never been my Bond, but he had this sort of suave, less action-oriented take on the role, and it kind of fitted that film. And it fitted the next one, and it fitted... I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of The Spy Who Loved Me or Moonraker, but none of those films did I have a real problem with him. But now we're at the point where they are constantly throwing in more and more humour that we'll talk about as we get through the film. Uh, none of that humour's funny. I, I love comedy, I like to be made to laugh, but none of, none of it works at this point. And you have got an old man, and his hair is, like, frozen in place... So whatever like action he goes through, he looks completely like smooth at the end of it, and it it's just coming off as a complete parody of of itself. I mean, I I said this a few weeks ago when we, I think it was Moonraker, 
I said, this is in the same series as From Russia With Love. And I say it again this week. This is in the same series as From Russia, Russia With Love. You see, yeah, I, I, I did think, and I think about, like, Dying of a Day and things like that, and you just think... But part of me thinks this is just ridiculous. Then the other part of me just like, well, this is just amazing. Look how far it's come. <laughs> yeah. it, true, absolutely. But don't don't forget somebody gets killed with, like... A circular saw being dropped through the, you know, being dropped down. Yeah. There's some dark bits in this, and and it, it's a bit like, I mean, I've talked about it when it comes to the humour and the dialogue before. I often think of the Star Wars prequels, that George Lucas says, "Oh, it's for kids," and then you look at all this like limb removal and tr- trade disputes and taxes, <laughs> and you think, "Well, that's not for kids, is it? Surely." And I look at this and I think, who's it for? When we get to the queue scene later, I'm looking at a very, very pervy old man now. And none of it really works. He can't do action anymore. Um, His sidekick, VJ Armitrage. I mean, you would honestly think from the humour in this film that VJ Armitrage was like beyond Borg. And when you go and look at his record, he did fuck all in tennis. I mean, he really did. I mean, it's it's like me being pictured with a tennis racket once (laughs) and suddenly like tennis is like linked with me forevermore. It's like this guy did nothing in tennis. The furthest he ever got in a grand slam was the quarterfinal. And yet like tee hee hee tennis all the way through. None of this film works at all. I, I honestly think his age is now ruinous because they are at the point that they're Everything about this film, all the goofy humour is, but he can't do action, so let's make it funny. The the um, title sequence, I don't hate All Time High that much, we'll get to it in a minute, but it's all very safe. And I just think, this is the, this is the series that once ruled the world in cinematic terms, and now we're looking at a series which is an old man twatting around. <laughs> it's, it's not funny anymore, the joke has gone, he should not be here. He only survived last week because, frankly, for your eyes only, is a terrific film. This isn't good enough to carry an old man who shouldn't be there. It's like two steps forward, one step back, really, isn't it? I'm just thinking, ouch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's just, you know, I I guess it's the opinion of, of where you stand with Roger Moore, I guess. I think this film works a lot better if you kind of if if you if you kind of grown up with with these films, kind of with this, the fact that yeah yeah he's Roger he's too old, but we don't mind you know there's there's kind of like a you know it, it's, all, remember, it's almost kind Chris, of funny. You've got to I mean, remember, <clears throat> Chris. You've got to remember every Bond film is somebody's first, yeah. And it's easy for us that by the time we got to Octopussy, we'd seen other films, albeit some of them might have been later. But whatever it is, that like Octopussy wasn't our first. So when we get to it, we've already got like a pre-existing idea of Roger Moore or whatever. And if that's positive, we go, well, he's too old, but what the hell? We like him. Well, somebody... (laughs) No wonder this series was in decline. Because if you took the Mission Impossible series, and instead of having Tom Cruise there, you had Leslie Nielsen... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's more or less the same thing. You just yeah. go, well, this guy is seriously retarding the way we look at this. 
they're with um, Lizzie Nielsen as well. They kind of be constantly making jokes about his age, whereas with Bond, you can't really do that so much, I guess. Well, I mean, it, it's really obvious. I mean, we'll get to... We must go through the film in order, but <laughs> we get to the Money Penny scene. Oh, God. <laughs> it is a complete parody. Penny Small Not for a moment do you believe there is... You don't believe that scene for a moment at all. Um, you know, I came into this series really loathing Roger Moore as James Bond. And we got to Live and Let Die, and I, I knew we had several weeks of, ahead of ourselves. So I really sort of tried to be positive. And I quite liked him in Live and Let Die, with some caveats. I liked him in... Um, the Man with the Golden Gun, which wasn't a very good film, but he wasn't the problem. And and it's so it went on all the way through that there were things about him I didn't like, but the films were all kind of getting by, and he wasn't ruinous. By now, it, it, it just looks like a joke. It really does. It looks like, you know, you, you're trying to make, like, a Pirelli calendar with, like, lots of attractive women in bikinis, and you've hired, like, Emily Bishop from... Coronation Street, <laughs> and it's just like, well, that's not appropriate. You might like that woman, you might not want to knock her age, but she shouldn't be doing that job. At this point, Roger Moore should not be doing this job. So uh, how, how well? It's too old. So Dave, so how well did this film perform then? Right. Oh, um, it's very similar to the last one. Um, I can't remember the US box office. I do remember the budget. The budget was $27.5 million, which is about half a million less than last week. But that's almost margin of error. That's almost, you know, who else is in the film? What are you paying your co-stars, etc.? So it's a very similar budget to last year. Um, we'll talk about it next week a little bit more because we're going to get to um, Never Seen Ever Again. And these films were in direct competition. But as I recall, it did $182 million which is pretty much Spy Love Me Money. This series is kind of stagnant at the moment. It's not doing badly, but it's not... It's neither growing nor falling away. It's all it, right. I think, it's doing okay. I think the problem with, with it is, I mean, obviously, Bonds has its audience. I mean, going back to, like, the time this was out, Bond had its audience, um, but it, it, it just needed a change, and I think they knew it. I think Roger... Knew it. He, 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 I think he wanted to go after Moonraker, really. Um, but yeah. like, I, I, I just think they, they, for whatever reason, they struggled to make a decision, or they struggled to find the right person to take no, over. No, I've no, I've got to defend Roger Moore here because I've just been really harsh on this film, and I've, I've meant everything I said. But the fact is, Roger Moore was contracted until um, the spy loved me. After that, it's been like film by film. Now, he made vague noises before For Your Eyes Only. And so they started looking at other people. But it was all very not sure. And Roger signed up quite quickly. But after For Your Eyes Only, Roger Moore was really pretty sure he wanted to leave. And so we've got Michael Billington for about the fifth time. Um, being screen tested we've got uh, James Brolin uh, Lewis Collins and, and others it was pretty sure in the normal run of things there would have been a new James Bond for this film and it probably would have been Timothy Dalton to be honest but in the end 
there was a competing film coming out that we'll talk about next week. And the Bond producers were like, no, we need an established name here to go up against Sean Connery. So they hired Roger Moore again. And I can't blame them for it, for all the negatives I've got about this film, his performance, his age, his everything. I can totally understand why you go out and just get Roger Moore for this film. It's easier. You're going up against Sean Connery. And Roger Moore, I mean, if you it's said like to... Ba- it, is, it makes it truly like the Battle of the Bonds, isn't it? It, makes it... it is really, literally, the Battle of the Bonds. Well, I, I think even if your favourite Bond is, is Timothy Dalton or Pierce Brosnan or Daniel Craig... At the moment, if you said the two iconic James Bonds, Sean Connery and Roger Moore. Yeah, two longer serving, for sure. They are. They're they're the iconic iconic ones. I think more people prefer Sean Connery, but there's no doubt. And also the Powells are so different. to a lot of people. The Powells between them are so different anyway. That's what makes it work. It's it's not like you can say Craig and Connery, because, well, you suppose you could in terms of like old and new. But, they're so different as well. But in terms, but back then as well, it's like you know because Roger's take was vastly different to what Sean's take was. It it makes it a lot more interesting. Well, I think when we get to um, Pierce Brosnan, like or hate him, one one of the things that Roger Moore has really stuck out for this time is like that big deep voice of his. He's got kind of a lot of gravitas, and he stands out in the role. Whereas when we get to Brosnan, he's got kind of a, quite a reedy voice. So, you know, I've got quite a lot of respect for Roger, Roger Moore. He's grown in my estimation across this series. He's suave, but when, let's but say. But now at the point that, like, I remember all the cliched bits about him, ridiculously too old, going after woman, he, women he should never be cast against. And that's not necessarily his fault. Uh, lots of goofy humour thrown in, none of which is funny. And it's all very safe. And the fact is, every time he tries to do anything, it's a stuntman. It's obviously a stuntman too, at that point. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's worse when we get to a view to kill, but it's pretty bad here. And so, a lot of people like this film. I mean, it's not very... No, Not many people seem to think of it as a favourite. It's not a classic by any means, but a lot of people sort of defend it. And I'm struggling with why. And maybe as we go through the film in a minute, I'll sort of find out why. But, yeah, I I've, I honestly now, I've spent the first five episodes of Roger Moore's run going, oh, he's not as bad as I thought. I, I can imagine... And now we've got to the film that I go, oh, yeah, that's why I didn't like Roger. That's why you didn't like him in the I, first place, yeah. I, there's the rub. I can imagine the reason why people defend it is because it, it probably has a few, like, nostalgic like comfort food elements you know a lot, lot of happy memories sitting in on a rainy Sunday afternoon watching watching Octopussy you know that kind of thing or Bank Holiday Monday you know whatever. that's what I did today it's a rainy Sunday afternoon watch Octopussy you know <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah. That it's, it's that kind of like nostalgic feeling and you, you know I mean yes there are bits that are naff but then there are some bits you thought were actually that I do that are pretty good that stand out and you kind of more you you like it more for the good stuff and you just kind of happily just oh, I'll just ignore the bad or just laugh them off or whatever you know yeah, you take the rest with the smooth yeah so. so I think that's probably why I think that's probably why I enjoy it I mean I I know it has its flaws it dra- it drags in some places um, it is a bit daft I'm know. struggling to think of a Roger Moore film that hasn't dragged 
Um, you reckon in drag? No, that, that was kind of tight. Um, um, I mean, well, for me, um, none of them are ruinously long, but they're all a bit like. Some of them feel. Uh, the eyes only doesn't drag for me, anyway. You know, it, mm-hmm. I can, you know, I can only speak for myself on that one, but. Um, I suppose mm, Let Die doesn't drag. I don't think it dragged. I just think it ran ran out of plot. Yeah, but then you just kept with action, 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 action. Yeah, <laughs> and it all went on too long. I always do that in every movie. The, you know, the fact is, this film is not terrible. It's all right. Um, but it'll. Yeah. I think we ought to go did, through did, it. Look, the fact it, is, I, gets, I've never really enjoyed this. When it gets when it gets so bad, just think to diamonds are forever, and think, well, it could be worse. Yes, it can't well, get that bad. That's, that's a key point. I mean, you know. It, most or die another day, for that matter. Well, most That's people it. rank this, below, uh, sorry, above a view to a kill. Well, we'll find out in a couple of weeks' time what I think of that. But certainly, it, it's not putting that bottom three or four. Like uh, when people go, "Oh, worst Bond film," people start naming another day, another day, possibly Diamonds Are Forever, certainly a view to a kill, you know, and so on. Well, this film kind of just about escapes that. Well. I don't think it's as bad as. I don't think it's as bad as Diamonds. I don't know about the Man with the Golden Gun. I think if you force me to watch one, I think I'd probably watch that because it's still a younger Roger Moore and a really good like villain. Yeah, Christopher Lee elevates it. Um, I think. So I think that makes it struggle. Uh, Moonraker does all right on its own. Um merits on its own terms it knows what it is this film is all over the place if someone said to me is this a silly bond film a serious bond film what is it i don't really know it's a bit of a nothing bond film to be honest it's that early 80s bit where we're we're past the peak of the roger moore era we're due a new bond we haven't got a new bond yet and so we're just churning out these films every couple of years that are kind of all right um and it's a very, very safe piece of work. Anyway, so let's uh, let's start talking about the bit where uh, Bond comes out horse's ass. <laughs> That's the best bit in the whole film. Yeah. So if we're saying that that early on, that says quite a lot about the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, what do you reckon to the pre-title sequence? Then he literally does. I mean, I oh, like it. Back end of a I horse. Mean, look, honestly, yeah, back end of a horse. Um, back end of a horse. <laughs> you calling me a horse's ass? ass. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I, I, well, I've always liked this pre-title sequence. It, you know, it, it, it does, it, it does the job. It's, it's a nice uh, action set piece. Uh, it doesn't. It's not too. Uh, it's not too heavy. It's quite sort of airtight. I like. You know, I, I, I kind of, I, I like different elements. I like how. Bond just looked like exactly like this Cuban general with just with a fake tash and general's costume. He looks like I, they must have like they're going to find a better person. Really, I mean, I, I do wonder if that if that other actor shaved his tash off, he would just look exactly like Roger Moore. I do. Wonder. <laughs> it's probably a stunt double. Oh well, yeah, it could have been. Oh yeah, it was a stunt double. There we are. I was it. All right, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think, like, uh, you know, I, there, there's people I've known in life that I've never known without moustaches, and it they, they it suits them a because you're used to them, and b because it does suit some people. 
But I tend to think if you if you're if you've got a leading man that's bordering on too old, a moustache doesn't tend to help. No, it makes him look a bit older. Which it does. Probably... I mean, oh. Roger Moore is too old at this point, and they stick a tash on him straight away, on top of his leathery tan, <laughs> and it's just suddenly like, oh, this looks fucking stupid. I, oh, I, I have watched it think he looks all right with a tash. Especially <laughs> like, on, on Blu-ray as well. This does look even more. Mm. But that's because you love him, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good Roger. What can I say? Yeah, we, we, we aren't going to stop saying those jokes. It's not actually about. I mean, if you take his age out of it, it's not a bad sequence, actually. Yeah. Not it a is. bad pre title at all. I, I like it. You know, it's, it's pretty airtight. He goes, he goes to. Um, I, th- I think it's Cuba. Is it Cuba? Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, he, he sneaks into like a, a Cuban compound where they're building some sort of missile thing that he's, he's supposed to go in and blow up. It's a plane. Yeah. And he gets caught. Uh, so and then he's like getting, rather getting shot like on you know right there and then. He, you know, <laughs> the, the, like as usual, you have, you have to take him away somewhere. So he's the like, never take the easy route out, do they? They never yeah. just do it right. That's it. So, um, <laughs> you know, so like so, so Bond's there like being carried away in a, in a big in a in a, in a truck and uh, and and he, and his uh, his lovely assistant driving up. Do, do we ever hear her name? Do we ever find out who she is? What's she called? I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty certain. If, if you check on IMDb, she'll probably have a name. Okay. <laughs> um, but it, it's probably some sort of glamorous. She's called Look at Those. <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> pretty, that's pretty much her purpose. Because basically, she drives up and she starts like sort of go, "Hey, soldiers!" Starts and doing like you know, as as she women do. rubbing her leg. <laughs> but, but what makes me laugh is even more. It's Roger's expression as be like going like, oh, look at that, eh? Uh. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> the, the, it's the difference between the two genders in that like there's no male equivalent to that. If a woman was like, you know, in handcuffs on the back of a fucking trailer or something, I couldn't dro- drive up and roll up my trouser leg. And no, distract the guards by no. going, look at this. That is, that it is just him. makes it is just totally how fucking vacant most men are. But it, it, it does like it would have been like a quite a funny scene if because there, there was one point where there's one guard who just looked like he wasn't interested at all, and it, it would have been like one guard's there looking away and the other, other guard's just like staring directly at Bond. And he's like, no, not even, no, not, not going So, but I, I, I would, I would have like would have. Thought it'd be funny if like Bond actually tried to do something like you're like, well, have a look at this. He goes, oh yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, they, they both look away. He pulls the ripcord and he sort of uh, the parachutes, which I don't know why they even wearing parachutes, but hey, they're wearing oh, parachutes. <laughs> so, so they all fly off at the van, out of the van and Bond jumps Plot in. Contrivance. And I, and I, and I love and I, this is what I love to reveal how like they try they, they she tries to do it again with the drivers. And then, like, as she drives up, there's Bond the machine gun there smiling and shoots the tyres. That, that's a really nice touch. I really like that bit. But, um, yeah, it's quite good, um, good timing, that one, I yeah. think, isn't it, as well? Yeah, it's like, it does, it does, it does, it does, Roger Moore smiling. Oh, I'm not. And then shoot the tyres. Well, it's pretty good. <laughs> that's um, for you, suckers. Yeah. And then he uh, hops aboard inside, where, what's presumably carrying a horse, uh, one of them horse kind of things, the back of the truck things. Yeah. He, I'm really descriptive, you can tell, can't you? And, yeah, it's not a real horse. It's yeah, a that's about as well. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, I mean, you know. And, um, 
yeah, it's not a real horse. It's a, it's a plane. Yeah, is, it, is it BD5 Acrostar Jet? And how does it fit in a tiny little trailer like that? It's, I think it's one of the smallest planes in the world, well, at least at the time. I'm, I, I can't see how you get much smaller anyway, but ah, okay. um, I think it was one of the two as well. So, yeah, he basically Bond gets in that and escapes, and there's like he gets chased by a missile. It's all very exciting. And... I must admire that, like, for all, for all of its faults, um, there's some really gutsy stunts in this film. You've got the plane. I mean, even in the pre-title sequence, you've got all the stunts with the cars and the bikes. There's some really good stunt work in this movie, I think. Just just I'd comment there. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, again, I think, you know, as, as plain as John Glenn is, he's really good at action. And yeah, I definitely. Think, I think when... I think at, at times when the film um, does the action and it's not being silly, it works really well. It's, it only really doesn't really... It's, it, it comes off as a bit shitty when it decides to be Looney Tunes, you know. Uh, but, yeah, so Bond gets chased by a missile, um, like a heat-seeking missile, and he decides to complete, complete his original mission and, and and escape the missile by flying oh, into the warehouse and uh, and flying straight at the last minute through the closing doors. Uh, blow, <laughs> Just blow, makes it. Blowing up the... the, the the thingy that he's originally going to want to blow up, and the evil moustached uh, doppelganger general as well. <laughs> which, uh, yeah, I think it's a really, it's a really good um, pre-title sequence. I think. I love your description. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the only one I'm going to do because I fucking hate doing them. <laughs> but yeah, it's all right though. At this point, we don't have a problem. He's too old. I mean, you just look at it and you go, "Yeah, he's too old," but it's okay. I think when we get towards like the, I say, well. we'll talk about it when we get there but when we get towards like the end of the movie and the octopus circus and everything you, then you just think oh jesus geriatric bond it's terrible yeah but oh, i do i do I like he's too old but <laughs> <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty much dave's gonna be doing a sale this bugger yeah he's too old, too old. he's too old, old. <laughs> i mean he is and i do think it's ruinous to the film but at this point yeah i've noticed it but it's all right Okay. You can cope with it at this point. So, um, yeah. We're well, so... to the theme tune then. So, you've got All Time High by Rita Coolidge. Yeah. Hmm. Um... <laughs> okay, Becca, what do you think of uh, All Time High? Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a kind of nice, gentle ballad. Um, it's not one of my favourites, I must admit. Um, but it's the first time that the title doesn't match the name of the film. So, it's a bit of a trivia point for Bond nerds around the world. Really well, cool. to be fair, Honor Majesty's Secret Service was not called. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it yeah, yeah, it wasn't called. Dun, 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 no, no. <laughs> it had no lyrics, so therefore I'm not going to count it. So. There you go. <laughs> so, Raspberry to you. Um, but yeah, no, the, um, I think some of the title sequences in that film are a little bit psychedelic, I reckon. But I like how some of the, um, like the cast and the crew are kind of shot out of the gun. I think that's quite a clever effect. That's all I've got to say about that. I don't rate it very highly at all, I'm afraid. I mean, I like the song. I mean, I think I think it's regarded as quite a bad Bond theme, but I think it's kind of... It, it's always hooked for me. I've always kind of enjoyed listening to it in a kind of really cheesy, power, like, power ballad kind of way. You know, I you know I, I still like it. I don't mind it. Um, I think I can think of far worse Bond themes. <coughs> Madonna. Um, but sorry, you coughed there, Chris. And what were you trying to say? <laughs> uh, I say I I I'm saying Madonna's theme is probably one of the worst Bond themes we ever made. Love Madonna's theme. 
Dun dun dun. Controversial. Who, who loves Madonna's theme? We. Dave does. Do you? No, it's alright. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, again, I think the actual um, the the actual sequence itself is just very much like we've seen it all before. It's like they've got the they you know the standard. They know what they're doing. I mean, I've I've, I've pretty much forgotten what they actually do, but it's just like it's more or less the same shit again. <laughs> Really? Yeah, it's kind of it's very nothing, isn't it? It's mm. Yeah, it's like I, I, I remember like there's there's one there's one woman with a gun and it looks like sort of does like a double oh seven thing sort of sort of comes comes across and then she awkwardly smiles like out of nowhere. It looks really weird. Um, yeah, a bit awkward. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of like uh, lasers going on, like like octopuses turning to double oh seven. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, but yeah, that's, the song's fine. I felt really bad for any any sort of like, you know Bond fans who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a critics rave at it. It's amazing, but no, I feel really bad for any fans who are like, oh yeah, Octopus is my favourite, and we're just going to be complete downer on it. So it's like, oh, no, I, sorry. I, I, I'm very fond on of Octopussy, yeah, but uh, you know, it, it's it's not about its issues. I mean, you know, we have to be honest. Who wouldn't like pink pussies? <laughs> <laughs> that could be very useful, you know. What for, Becca? Well, it wouldn't be handy if you're, if you're allergic to cat hair, for example. Sorry? Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so from the title sequence, we go to East Germany. You did well to keep that silence down to, like, a couple of seconds. Anyway, um, yes. Where, where, where are we next, Becca? Oh. Hold on. My face hurts. <laughs> That's throwing her off now. <laughs> um, yeah, so we go from the title sequence to East Germany and we see 009. Um, well, we don't know he's 009, but we're told that later on, so spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, he's basically just a clown being chased uh, by um, twins with knives. Mishka and Vidishka. I forget which is which. I don't know, but... I don't think it matters. Aren't they the women no. like <laughs> Robbie Coltrane was robbing their legs? <laughs> <laughs> they, they've got brilliant, like... One thing for, the, like, the 80s, I mean, all the hair looks amazing. You've got their, I was going to say a completely different word, they're, like, bouffant going on. And just, just the hair is absolutely so stylish all the way through. Even Stephen Burkhoff, who has none. So... Uh, get to Stephen Burkhoff. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to him, don't worry. Yeah, we'll get to him, don't worry. But, uh... Yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, he's being followed by um, two knife-throwing twins. Hmm. Um, he's got a Fabergé egg, which is very interesting. Very interesting, yeah. Uh, so yeah, basically he gets chased through the woods, he gets hit by hit in the back of a knife, we think he's dead, but he somehow survives and manages to get to like an ambassador's uh, ball. And I mean, the thing that struck me with this viewing is how he managed in a clown costume, not to, with a knife in his back, to actually go through security undetected, like... <laughs> And, and, and his big shoes, yeah, well. yeah, and just and like kind of fall fall through, like <laughs> fall, fall, yeah. I was like, how, how did you get in? And also, if you're being chased by two guys, two throw two twins with like you can throw knives, right? Take off the stupid clown shoes. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I know he's a secret agent, but seriously, you'd think, right? Okay, I better just stop just for five seconds because I'd probably be running much better without these stupid fucking things. <laughs> He called his own downfall, really, didn't he? He didn't get rid of the clown costume. 
and there's no practicalities at all. So it's just like sod it. But I think yeah. it serves as a visual cue, visual cue as well, because obviously Bond will do that later on in the film. Yeah, I think Bond puts on the same clown costume. It's weird. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah, we're makeup anyway, so... and all as well. Didn't you just... <laughs> it's a bit creepy, I think. If you if you're scared of clowns and this movie, you know, it's not the film for you really. Well, no, it, it's, not, it's not the film for you, but... I mean, anything Roger does in this film is a massive turn-on, surely. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, we have a good uh, opening, and we get straight to uh, M's office. We introduce a new M. Oh, yes, new M. Um, his name I can't remember. Robert Brown. That's the one, Brown <laughs> John, that's the one. No, not Robert Brown John, Robert Brown. Robert Brown, that's it. Robert Brown was somebody else. Okay, do that bit again, Dave. Sorry. Awesome. <laughs> Robert Brown John was the um, guy who did From Russia with Love. Yes, he did. Completely okay. different. Uh, Robert Brown is uh, an old friend of Roger Moore's. Roger Moore suggested him. And um, yeah, he was uh, brought in as M. And he, funny thing is, I, I think of him as having quite a long era as M, but it's only four films. Yeah. He's done like by. Um, uh, license to kill. Yeah, it's only for the remainder of the uh, the Moore era and Timothy Dalton. Yeah, absolutely. He's not my favourite Bond, but as time's gone by and I look at him, doesn't bother me. He's okay. Yeah, I mean, usually he's backed up by the Ministry of Defence. I mean, he is in this film anyway, which kind of, I think. Yeah, get... it does look like the minister just like. Hangs around for a coffee. <laughs> sits around. I mean, I, I think I think that's like deliberate because I think he's he, his is kind of very forward, but um, I think the Ministry of Defence kind of like throws in the uh, the crankiness that Bernard Lee would had as well. So it kind of the two of them together kind of somehow sort of give that same sort of level of you know two different personalities. And if that makes sense. Yeah, trying to go for the um, yeah. continuation, really, aren't they? Because, yeah, Rob Brown's very much like, uh, to the point, said, well, it's so uh, better get to it. <laughs> he's very much uh, not as... He's not as... He's obviously, he's, he's, he's not Judy Jansen, and, and he's not, you know, uh, Bernard Lee, but, you know, he's... It's okay, it's a safe bear, and it's fine, you know. It'd be a lot, it'd be a lot less jarring otherwise, I think. But you can also tell that he's still got that, um, like he trusts Bond as well. Is that right? Okay, get on with it. Yeah, there is like uh, I, I do. I, I'm trying to remember one. I think it is in the in the scene where he he kind of smile. He kind of smiles at when Bond when he sets Bond off on his mission or something. When uh, when he goes off to the au- auction, the fabric, yeah, fabric, yeah. You know, it's like kind of like uh, it's a little bit of like it's like he kind of like sec- he kind of secretly gets what Bond's doing. It's like. Kind of smile, a little, little bit of a smile when he leaves. So, um, yeah, the right man for the job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, but yeah, basically, Bond sort of learns about the death of uh, is it Double O Nine? Double O Nine. Yeah, it's double, yeah. And it's like, oh, we got no leads. Well, so well, we've got one lead. There's a Fabrice. Yeah, <laughs> <Fabergé. laughs> it's kind of a revenge mission, almost a little bit, but, but not quite. There's got, yeah, there's, there's a different this might be the movie. most random thing ever thrown into a Bond film. A fabric. I mean, it's yeah. a bit like we've got a lead, and he holds up like a bottle of toilet duck. <laughs> it's just like a oh, fabric egg. Property oh, of a lady. Where'd you get that from? It's so random. Oh dear me! 
but yeah, that's another thing. Like we talked earlier about how this film is kind of like what turning you all over the place. You've got like three or four different plots going on. It's really confused as well. So you've got like revenge plot, um, cover egg, which is cover for a nuclear attack. You think what the hell? <laughs> oh, yeah, layer upon layer upon layer. It's like stick to one story, you know. But. Yeah, it is pretty confusing. I think this is probably where I think it's probably why it loses Dave, because it just kind of like okay. So what's this bit about Fabster? Yeah, got to do with uh, um, yeah, got to do with a nuclear well, war. Str- or something. I'm struggling already because <laughs> I mean, the, the, the era started okay. I, I like Live and Let Die, and then basically until For Your Eyes Only, I didn't really like it. And that film got by despite Roger Moore being too old on the basis that it was just a very good film. And so I'm now on his sixth Bond film. I've enjoyed two of them. He's now fucking ancient. And they've got absolutely no idea what they want to do with these. It's just like, well, we got to do a Bond film. I don't know, some fucking espionage bollocks. (laughs) And, like, women love him. So, you know, he turns up at, like, Money Penny's office. Money Penny now looks like fucking. Well, she looks a bit like a force ghost. Oh, I mean, she, she died several years ago. I'm convinced. That's horrible. Right, and she introduces Penelope Smallbone, who apparently on set she couldn't help calling Penelope Smallbush. Um, and it's now, and it's this young woman, and they're basically hanging around Roger Moore, who's now basically. He's he's the guy who turns up with the Werther's original and does the crossword with you. <laughs> and <laughs> when he goes into M's office, they both simultaneously cream their pants. <laughs> now That's very cheesy. Oh my god, very cheesy scene. Now the oh. thing is, it's played for comedy only in as much as are uh, they both like him. It's not meant to be comedic, I don't think, that they both like him and Lucky's fucking ancient. So they've made not much allowance for the fact that they've got an old man in the lead role. And I just think at this point, this I mean, if the film wasn't already dead, that kills it. Because I don't mind a bit of humour, but like, oh, fuck off. This isn't working. You've got a very old woman trying to play kind of early middle age with a very young woman beside her. And they're both creaming themselves about Grandad and his Werther's originals. <laughs> and it doesn't work. This it, this is so far not off to a very good start. No, they, they make the whole sight gag of obviously a small bone being considerably younger than both Bond and Money Penny. Um, and obviously, you know, I mean, is that Bond, you know, it's not, not being is that <laughs> if I if one of us goes and stands next to somebody thirty or forty years younger or older than us. <laughs> Is that immediately comedic? Hmm. <laughs> no, just, the whole thing just doesn't doesn't work. It's one of the low points in the film for me. And again, um, uh, his hair is now frozen in place. <laughs> I mean, it didn't move. But was a hairspray? It's now, yeah. It's now like it, you get the impression Roger Moore was taken out of the freezer <laughs> a couple of months before they started filming. Let him thaw out. Let him defrost. They put him in the freezer just after For Your Eyes Only, the premiere. Poor old Rog. So he's, he's had like 18 months in deep freeze. And he's come out basically thinking he's got an erection, but that's just it's just frozen. <laughs> and it just, yeah, at this point, we have a problem. 
whatever the film turns out to be, and we'll go through it in a minute, at this point, we've got a problem. We have got a man who is just ludicrously too old. Okay, so you've established that Roger is too old. <laughs> have I mentioned that? By the way... Miss no, never. I haven't thought about this. Can I just point out Roger Moore's too old at this point? <laughs> no, you don't say. Yeah. I think when we get to a view to a kill in a few weeks' time, Jesus... I'm He's just going to by... have to look past it. He looks younger, but He's lost a mole. When, when does he lose the mole? Yeah, we talked about yeah, like... that. Yeah. He's got Patrick McNee beside him. <laughs> by comparison, he looks like youthful and sexy. <laughs> the dream team. This okay, might great. be the worst Roger Moore performance in the entire run he has. Mm. With I'd... one scene exception that we'll get to. I'd, I think I'll wait a couple of weeks for that one. Okay. But yeah, but there's, there's no counting for tastes. <laughs> but it's bloody ludicrous. This year we've got two Bond films coming out, and the leading men have a combined age of 108. <laughs> I mean, That's this is a... just fucking stupid, and their leading women have a combined age of, I don't know, fucking 50 or something. <laughs> it's just. What? It's ridiculous. Yeah. But I think, yeah, Sean, must say, when we, just, when we do, you know, never seen ever again, I think Sean does look a little bit worse for wear, bless him. So we get, so we get to the auction scene. <laughs> Now I, I have know. to say I've been, I'm going to be really harsh on this film and I have already like the scene. I think the scene's really good. Yeah, it's it's, it's a very typical. I think it it brings out what you kind of like Bond as a character. He's a devil may care. You know, it's the kind of he's there to observe, but then gets in the mix like and does something kind of that's kind of risky, just to piss off the the mate Lee villain. But just, <laughs> but even though it, it, his way of doing it, it's just to find out. Oh, it's just he's happy to provoke a reaction, isn't yeah. he? It's just that kind of like, oh well, you know, well, it's obviously he he wants he's he, he has to buy it. So uh... yeah, let's, let's see how badly he wants it. Yeah, so he starts see. off a bidding war between yeah. him and Kamal Khan. I thought, oh well, I'm just going to piss him off by making him pay more money than he needs to. Uh... Was it, it five hundred thousand pounds or something? He ends up spending. Yeah, it's probably at least half a million pounds. Yeah, I'm, I'm a lot of money and, in '83, and, and that's back then. Yeah, that's back then as well. So that's <laughs> ouch. Um, but he really all, that egg. But also, he makes the switch to the egg. He, he swaps the uh, the real egg for the fake one with a, a ho- with a chip device in it as well. So smart bond. move. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, it's very like, good. well, if you bought it, I would have claimed it. I would, I would have claimed false because it would have been a fake. Ha ha ha! Good old Bond, eh? <laughs> It's very clever. But I think so, in between that, there was a scene as well. We're introduced to General Orlov, so Stephen Berkov. He's like this crazy Russian general who wants to start World War Three with a nuclear attack. It's like, oh, okay. So there's another plot going on. Too yeah, complicated. What What was his? He basically just like, I just want to invade this because I want war. Yeah, he's basically pissed off at the UN, saying, right, okay, no nuclear, you know, nuclear disarmament. So he's kind of thinking, no, we must strike now. And I've got all these men under my command, and they could just march across Germany and rah rah rah. During his commentary, John Glenn, who gives Becca, just going off the subject for a minute. Do you did you say you got John Glenn's uh, book about Bond over Christmas? I have. Sadly enough, I've not started reading it yet. Yeah, I mean, if his commentaries are anything good to go by, it's going to be unbearably boring because <laughs> his commentaries <laughs> are frigging awful. But anyway, I like John Glenn. I, I like, quite like John yeah, Glenn, I like but I listen well. to his commentaries expecting these great stories, and they're bloody boring. But um, <laughs> he he um, talks about um, 
he talks about Stephen Burkhoff and he says that he says that um, the thing with Stephen Burkhoff is you've got to rein him in because he has a tendency to overact um, but when you rein him in he's terrific and I'm thinking where in this film did you rein him in because this I was is just the worst thinking the Stephen Burkhoff performance I've ever seen it's really ruinously bad from an actor who did Beverly Hills Cop the next year and was really restrained and good. This yeah, that's a really contrasting performance, isn't it? Um, I, I don't. I've always I, maybe it's the fact that it's just Stephen Burkov, but I always enjoy a like a good bad guy Stephen Burkov, you know. And obviously, it's no exception. I think you know. I, I like the fact that he's in it. Playing in, uh, like a uh, like a nutball general, I, you know I, that just gives me joy. Uh, I, I, you know I like him in other villain roles he does. I just I just like him as a presence in a in a cheesy eighties action film. I you know uh, so you're not gonna hear a complaint out of me. I mean I I'm I, yeah I'm, I'm fine. I mean yeah I I do agree he is overacting as fuck, but I think that's the role. I mean it, 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 he's playing someone who just for no good reason other than the fact that I just want war I just want to you know I just want to you know I want Russia to to be kings of the world you know that kind of I don't think it would be such a problem if I didn't know Stephen Burkhoff what you know him personally yeah yeah we're big pals look at you um, yeah but you know what I mean I think a lot of the problem is that like I've seen him in other like, seriously I know what he can and cannot do and this is not a very good performance. He Nothing can do better than this. I think it's, I've seen, well, I've seen him on stage. Um, yeah, I've seen him in other movies, and he certainly does give more restrained performances elsewhere. But I think here is is really memorable villain. I think in this film for sure we get two really great villains. I think he's Brad Whitaker bad. Oh yeah, that's interesting. That's a good point. I, do, I, I just things that I liked how he's just he's just basically just like he's he's like he's like a kid just like a stroppy teenager when he's when he, when when he gives his big thing about how he's got his he's he's got his uh, army with tanks ready on his command to go and he sort of yeah, he, he, basically, told he off, basically, basically he gives his pitch and he basically gets t- told to sit down and shut up. And he just sits, and he just sits down, like kind of sulking. He's like, yeah, just goes off in a huff. He's like, Ugh. yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I love that, especially in the Bond film, because I think a lot of Bond villains are kind of like just kind of immature, big children who just like, you know, they're very brattish. You know, I love the fact that they finally give Gogol a really comfortable-looking chair. Yeah, because <laughs> he doesn't like standing up. And in this film, I'm thinking, yeah, you don't like standing up, but finally. Your, yeah, we, your we decisions did, we did his, never stand up. Yeah, he, he, exactly. We did see the draft the office as well. Yeah, I was just about to say. They give him some like a modern looking room that's like, okay. Got a revolving revolving seat area, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, he's, he's quite an sort of elderly gent by this point as well, so. I, I can't, I, I would love to know how this film felt in 83. Because watching it tonight, it felt like it was probably dated then. Yeah, so I, some of the I, I do wonder. I mean, I know real sort of detente, you know, and uh, Glasnost and everything else didn't really come till '85, but we're only a couple of years before that, and you would think it was just post Cuban Missile Crisis. I, I think, I think when people's attitudes at the time were kind of, 
it it already had its core fan base, so they were there. I think I think the, the, you were either Bond fan or you weren't. So yeah, there, there might have been people with passing interest, but I you know I think it got just got seen as kind of it's not, it's not the cool thing anymore, but it still has its its audience. If that makes sense. I think the the timing as well, obviously, because it was before the Berlin Wall came down. So you still got the kind of very much. That's another thing that, that convolutes it needlessly for me. You've got the kind of the sub Cold War plot almost trying to permeate through, and it doesn't quite. It's not very effective, I don't think. No, it's it's always been kind of t- touchy with the whole Cold War thing because that's such a uh, a big thing for the books and the early films that they did not quite sure how to transition that into the modern world now. Um, I mean, they kind of ended it with uh, Goldeneye, really, but that was. When, they had to, but um, yeah, couldn't really go around having the Russians, well, even though they kind of are, yeah, <laughs> golden eye as you know, as, as world villains anymore. So, yeah, you know, just stop, stop Pierce Bosman from shooting a footload of them, even though, no. they, even, even though they're actually for they, they are just doing their actual job, they're actually not part of an evil plot at all. So, no, <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there when we come to it. Yeah. <laughs> In a few weeks' time, oh dear. Um, That's very good laugh. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, what we talk about? Oh yeah, Steve Burkhoff. Yeah, I, I like, I like, I like Steve Burkhoff. Yeah, you know, he he may be overacting a tad, but you know, tad. Yeah, it, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. If, look, if he's gonna overact, he's basically put eight films worth of effort into this one role. I think he probably... Did. I haven't looked up his filmography, but I do wonder if he thought he could just do this and take off until... Well, like, apparently, you know, apparently he got the gig for the uh, Beverly Hills Cop film by watching this. But the director was on a plane watching Octopussy. Thought that's the man we need. Yeah, yeah, literally. He, he must like... have been stoned off his arms. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was more impressive. I kind of... I mean, I really like him in Beverly Hills Cop. I think he's got a quiet menace in that. Mm. This yeah, film really is batshit insane. It's a really poor performance. Well, he it is was eighties. Pl- he is playing someone who is like cartoonish anyway, so I think he just went, just went all out. Whatever. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah, it, why not? It, it, it is an eighties old Roger Moore Bond. I'm film. starting to sound like I'm not fond. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh. What of the film? Yeah. Uh, <gasps> Never. No. Okay. Is it is it is it is it because Roger Moore's too old? I haven't mentioned that, have I? <laughs> Roger Moore in this film, if I if I've mentioned it already, he's too quite old. old. <laughs> does, does his age ruin the film for you? I find it completely ruinous. <laughs> okay. That's going to be the tagline for this podcast. It is ruinous. Yeah. Oh, I just how how you in this film? I do like. I mean, I think Stephen Burkhoff is terrible. We've suddenly parachuted in the worst M, which is oh. jarring at this point. It gets better. By the time you get to someone like License to Kill, you're kind of used to him. Not a country club, w We're not a country club. No. Well, that's what he says, isn't he? Yes, but just to clarify to our listeners, we're not oh, sorry. a country club. <laughs> no, it's hardly we're not a country club. No. we are not, yeah. No, we're no. a mansion house. And we've got a very nice shower, too. We do. As seen on our Twitter feed. Mm. I know. Just one shower, three of us. Think of that, folks. Um, yeah, but there, there isn't an awful lot in this film alike, but it isn't just Roger Moore. I think it's got a really bad villain, but who do you call the villain in this film? Uh, it's 
Carmel Khan. Yeah, see, on that basis, the villain's really good because I like Carmel Khan. Yeah, he's, he, he's he is the main villain. I mean, like, the film does try and it like sort of put a bit of mystery of the fact that it's Octopussy who's the main villain, but it's she's, not. She's not really, though, is she? No. Which nobody buys for a second. No, no, no. no. So it needs to screw somebody at the end. <laughs> the look on his face. Oh my god! The final, you know, the bit where the very ending of the film, where he's like, "Oh, James." The look on his face is just absolutely sublime. It's priceless. Mm. That's the one thing that brings me joy. It's hilarious. The, what, the look on Roger Moore's face? <laughs> yeah, literally, the very last scene of the film. Before she goes, oh, James. And he's like, right, you know. And he's all laid up with his leg does, in a cart and everything. Does anyone think, like, the, the last bit at the end, like, no one really thought, like, a, a, of a humorous pun? Did anyone on. second think, oh, he looks really hurt? <laughs> no, it, yeah, he, he didn't did, did believe that for a second. Anyway. Okay, so we're losing track of folks. Let's get back on it. <laughs> anyway, well, we're talking about octopusy. So, okay, <laughs> by so... our standard, that's amazing. We've not used <laughs> so... lethal weapon or anything. <laughs> so we, so we, uh, we, do... okay, so India, uh, yeah. So hang on, so he... Cairo. Yes, the weirdest point: Bong goes to India, okay, uh, and they, yeah, yeah, because at the. At the auction, he uh, sees Karma Khan and he, and he sort of pisses him off. And he goes, oh, well, it's the lead. It's obviously, we'll follow him. And what happens, Becca? He goes to India. <laughs> okay, and he and he meets his tennis mate. Oh, dear. Okay. No, it's, it's, a bit fun, it's a bit funny, isn't it? Because it's kind of... Um, for all the globe-hopping down in the Bond movies, I think we have London, East Germany, by way of um, Peterborough, and, and then back to India again, where you die, put. Um, but yeah, so we see... Bond arriving in India, so you got all of these shots, maybe the Taj Mahal, um, and then we see um, this man kind of playing, <laughs> I don't know what it's called, like Snake Charmer, <laughs> playing the Bond theme. And yeah, it's VJ Amitraj again, so called Tennis Pro. Again, I sometimes <sighs> look at this stuff and I think, who's it for? Because yeah, really silly moment. Do the makers of this film think grown adults of our age are sat in a cinema laughing at this? It's not funny. But it's played for humour, it's breaking the fourth wall, and it's kind of, oh, what a tune. And it's just like, who's that aimed at? That is George Lucas, Star Wars prequels level humour, where you're just like leveraging things that are just a little bit goofy, not very funny, not that interesting, and why bother? Um, The other thing is, as he's blowing on that fucking pipe to make, you know, flute or whatever it is, it's the most wooden acting I've ever seen. He, he doesn't look like an actor for a second. He's playing this not very funny scene, and it comes off, not only is it not funny, but it comes off as really self-conscious. We're trying to be funny here. Laugh, everyone. No, he's, he's, a, he's an athlete rather than an actor. And yeah, he is. And unfortunately, and, and it's not even like he was successful. They haven't, like, stagged Arthur Ashe to do this. They've stagged the guy who got knocked out in the last 16. And I thought, well, you know, he's from India and he's tennis pro, so let's have him in. Hey, everyone, Guy Forger, you know, it's like, let's <laughs> not get too excited here. They could have got someone who's, who's been in Bollywood films, couldn't they? Yeah, they could have, to be honest. Well, that, could have well, had, that uh, would have been more of a draw, because it would have been, oh, that, 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 he's that really big actor in India. Would have got, well, yeah. I'd have rushed to my cinema back then. <laughs> well, no, no, but in, in India it would have, been, would have made more sense. Anyway, so, but I, I don't mind him, you know, he's... Yeah, he's not an actor, but you know he's he's a friendly 
presence. And, you know, it's like it's all you need. He's, he, he's someone who's basically going to be killed off. I think yeah, in, it's in, in, in forty you minutes. Watch this so. in 1983. I watch it now, and I think, well, he's clearly something for somebody from another era. And then you go and look him up, and he didn't actually. He wasn't that successful. So you go, well, he must have. It must have felt at the time like an in joke nobody got. Like, here's this guy, and it's like, who is he? Unless you were a tennis fan, you wouldn't have a clue. You're not going to recognise him, really. Unless you're a Bond fan, you know that he's in this movie, and think, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but they really do. I think the film really does try, in case you didn't know, he's a tennis player, because, like, and that big chase sequence, he grabs a tennis (laughs) racket. And, and starts fighting funny. with it in a really, in a really bad way. Tennis fans have to look in more than one direction to see the ball. It's not inherently hilarious. And when I talked about the Roger Moore era in the first couple of episodes, it's this kind of shit I was talking about. It's not funny, any of it. You've got an ancient leading man with a terrible sidekick and a load of not very funny visual jokes. And it's like, look, see, look, and that's the level of the humour. None of this is working for me at all. Please get better. Where is it going? Please, Becca, tell me, is this getting better? <laughs> Obviously uh, not. <laughs> no, I don't think it does, though. I mean, because we, we're given the kind of obligatory plot sort of device where they you know, explain the plot and tell us a little bit about uh, Kamal Khan. So Louis Jordan, who played Dracula, of all characters, um, and they find that he's a bit of a bit of a sharp hand, a uh, backgammon. I think that's right, great where they kind of dice game. Um, yeah, loaded dice. He's a cheat, people. Watch out. Um, but he has a bit of a suave off um, between Bond and um, and Kamal, which I think is they tried to out smooth each other, out suave each other, which is very cool. I think. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> do, I, I do like this exchange where basically just Bond just again just goes in, just pisses him off. It's like. He goes and just waves the uh, Faberge egg in his face, going, <laughs> "Here it is." Yeah, know. look what I've got. Uh. And it's like, well, okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, in fact, I'll use your dice then. <laughs> and uh, yeah, amazing <laughs> enough, he wins. Yeah, pretty. I mean, hang on. So I don't quite understand the rules of the game. So he throws a, he throws a double six, obviously. So the only way for Bond to win is to throw a double six. I think that yeah, I didn't know the rules of it too, you know, too much myself, unfortunately. Um, that's so, one thing about you know, fortunately, the Bond movies. I'm not very cultured about the drinks or or <laughs> the games or the card games. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, so anyway, he does. He does just that, play that. poker. That's it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he he, he pisses, pisses him off, and his uh, henchman, who's basically Indian odd job, uh, does exactly then, what. Yeah, I, I do like him. He's got a good henchman. I think there are, there are quite a lot of Goldfinger references it, in this movie. It, it, it does. It, it does every single shot. It does seem to just zoom in in his eyes, where he just it's like stares, like yeah. He's very intimidating. He's, he's like really... constantly angry. Yeah, it's like a um, oh, what was it a memorable presence? I think in the movie. Mm. So, but uh, there there is the one bit uh, like a bit later on where after after the dinner uh, they have together, and he and he's like walking up with uh, is it Magda, and he goes like. Uh, Fancy and fancy and that cat, and she goes no. Goes oh okay, and then he gets escorted to by the henchman, and he, <laughs> he says, "Don't suppose you fancy a night cat?" No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's quite funny. But uh... no, it's, it's quite comic, isn't it? So 
Oh, dear. Yeah. Anyway, we're skipping ahead. But anyway, I do like the scene. Do you, is this one of your favourite bits, Dave, or are you just finding it too old at this point? Uh, I think that says everything, don't you? Matt, yeah. <laughs> Any, anything Louis Jordan's pretty good. I actually think Magda's all right. Do you think Mag- Magda's all right? Things that I don't dislike it, I just find it forgettable. I don't know what Becca thinks. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think... Oh, oh. This is going to feel really bad. I'm not taking on Magda. Um, which is very lovely, but just very wooden. I'm like, oh. But I feel bad in saying that. Because I kind of shouldn't. Mm. Why? But, um... <laughs> How you feel? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. But, um, yeah. I just think she's obviously she's a little bit wooden, from my liking. Um, but there's also quite a racist line, with quite a few other racist lines in this film. <laughs> I just only remembered of one that was all. Like when he wins the money, he's like, oh yeah, that'll keep you in curry for a few weeks. And you think, oh, jeez. So cringeworthy. He, what, he actually said, this will keep you in curry. Yeah, it's just like, yes, oh, he God. did. So racist. <laughs> oh. oh, God. <laughs> you don't think, you know, he moved away from that, but hell no. I... <laughs> Okay. Are you sure, Chris, you still think this is a really good film? I think I never said it was a really good film. <laughs> you know, I just say I still enjoy it. I mean, look, we all get into the bit where I kind of switch off. I kind of switch back on again, like, later on. I think that's half the problem. I am epically fucking bored through most of this. <laughs> I mean, it's not... I mean, next week, I, I'm not sure the end, second half of you to a kill is that good. But there's plenty to like laugh at, and Roger actually looks strangely a bit better. And you've got like a better leading man, and you've got a hilarious leading lady. And um, you know, there's things about it that you can laugh at. This film doesn't have that. It's got goofy humour that's not working. It's got a ridiculously old leading man. It doesn't have a dominant villain because you're never quite sure which one is supposed to be the lead villain. We're introduced to our leading lady very, very late in the film, and I, 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 I'm most say of this I, film is fucking boring. I think leading lady is well. I think the character is really poorly written. I think she pretty much falls in love with Bond like instantaneously, and that like the with the, the exception with the only thing that sort of they they say is like we're two of a kind. Really, how? Never explores that. Yeah, he never explains it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a very tenuous link, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, but that's it, and it's pretty, pretty. I mean, the only explanation we got was like, "Oh, you were, you were right to my dad once." Yeah. Yeah, there's a long backstory behind him, isn't it? Because if you read, um, read the original story, um, yeah, Bond was sent to go and collect, um, maybe Dexter Smythe. He basically he stole a hoard of Nazi gold, but unfortunately, you had to you know bring him back and face court martial. If we mirror the film here, Becca, yeah, we should all like have a kick for an hour, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> basically, news. if you're all happy to listen to us snoring for the next hour, we'll wake up and just do like the half decent ending because <laughs> I'm bored shitless at this point, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it doesn't kind of move along very well. I think um, with John Glenn to give him his due, he does. Okay, well, okay, let, let's. Strengths more it. to action rather than so, drama and dialogue. So, 
we we have a villain sort of dinner scene, which uh, I don't think we've had had uh, a proper villain dinner scene. They were like, oh, we'll have a polite conversation of how we're going to talk to you, Mister Bond. Then, well, yeah, but, yeah, you haven't had that for a long time, have we? Uh, so that's Bond, quite good. Yeah, Bond escapes in a kind of like jungle run, hunted by elephants. Um, <laughs> Let the spot comments. Yeah, you, oh, it's really cringeworthy moments. I mean, they have the the sheep's head at dinner, which is yeah. I, I, it's like they watched. Uh, I, I, I don't. I'm not Indiana sure. Jones movie. Yeah, I'm, like Temple. I'm not sure when Temple of Doom came out, but it's like they watched that and thought, "Oh yes, we'll do that." It's around that sort of time, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it's in fact, you know, I think it might predate in uh, Temple of Doom. Actually, I think Temple of Doom's nine eighty-five because they have the chilled monkey brains and then they put the yeah. stuffed sheep's heads. It's disgusting. Oh my god. I'm sorry. Obviously, it's it's, it's not my culture. But I just and also being vegetarian. Sorry. I, I I don't. I, I, I I'm guessing that. That's probably uh, a film thing rather than an actual thing. Yes, no, that's it. Um, but yeah, and then obviously during the during the hunt as well, you've got like um, Bond in a safari suit, um, the Tarzan, the Tarzan swing. That's terrible. Sit. Got the kind of, <laughs> yeah, you've got the, oh god, who is it? Barbara somebody or other, the dog trainer. Yeah, even though he tells a big cat, which you know doesn't really make much sense. Barbara but, tells you know, that was it. And it's, it's obviously a fake. I mean, obviously there's there's a shot where you see like the tiger literally being wheeled in on a wheelbarrow and then, and then you see a live tiger and it's just like what the hell obviously a fake tiger it's like oh my life when's the last time we discussed anything remotely plot related here <laughs> about half an hour ago I, I mean it's just this film is all over the fucking shop it is, it is. well it's, it's, it wasn't really much I mean like the problem is you get quite a boring thing with, with uh, Magda because he tries to chat up like Hercules hanging around uh, Khan to get in, yeah. in, information. Um, he ends up getting captured by Khan because uh, he likes, you know, because the uh, she gets the fabricate egg and he ends up getting knocked out, kind of like Objob did in, in Goldfinger. Yeah, and then yeah, they have a dinner scene. You say, "Oh, we're going to torture you." Then he then he escapes and he goes back to uh, uh, Q and V and AJ and then. And then he then he learns about oh what uh, octopusy so he he breaks into Oct- octopusy's apartment well Khan uh, pays people to kill him uh, and they kill uh, AJ who's looking on from fucking miles it's like I'll keep an eye on him across this like big massive lake where it's like how how can you how can you how possibly can you see what's going on see or even even if you do see do anything about it like like so, so you might as well just not be there. And 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 I, I do think at the moment where he gets killed, why are they killing him? They could easily just like and not even bother and just like oh we just go for him a bit closer to to, the, <laughs> to that big no. house. Okay, I've kept my counsel long enough here. I've been quite restrained. I'm gonna reveal my hand now. Okay, okay let's have it. Go on. Ass. <laughs> really? Yeah, I fucking oh. hate it. Uh. <laughs> Wow, you do surprise me. Okay. <laughs> is it because is it, is it Roger's too old? Roger is too old. This is five times now I've been keeping account. <laughs> oh, he's, yeah, he's five times too old. He's 204 years old at this point. Um, so, um, That's which why point? he fucks so many women in his later years. Yeah. Just to like bring the fucking uh, aggregate age up. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, so yeah, so it's this point the romance starts between um, Maud Adams and uh, Roger Moore, and it's completely rushed. Uh, but uh, it is. you don't spend enough time on it really. I but, think that's. I mean, I do like Busy as a character, but I think the relationship between her and Bond is just they don't spend any time on it at all. It's like right, okay, no, you go my father. That's it. Bang, and it's like oh, really? Yeah. But there you are. Anyway, but uh, Kamal Khan has a, has a nice line saying like, uh, oh, Mr. Bond, you have a nasty habit of surviving. Yeah, he has some uh, good lines in this movie, didn't he? Yeah, he is one of the best parts about the film, uh, let, let's be honest. Um, and, yeah, and what, what happens next? <laughs> uh, is that a bit on the train then? Do, does does that happen then? Oh, yeah, we see the, the crocodile sub as well, which is quite good fun. Um, but yeah, then pretty much we kind of Oh yeah, there, there's there, there, yeah. That's, that's the point. There's a big fight on the uh, the, the guys try to kill Bond and uh, and then she yeah uh, Bond <laughs> gets away. Well, Octopussy thinks that Bond's died, got eaten alive by uh, sharks. Uh, and again, I will point out, I will point out the guy supposed to get eaten uh, clearly has a, sco- a super scoot on. It's like yeah, it's a super it? scoot. Yeah, super scoot. A super suit. Uh, a scoot. Oh my god. A scuba suit. On. Um, I just thought, hang on, what the fuck? You know. Um, oh. Yeah, it gets eaten by a crocodile, but you can obviously see a, you know, breathing apparatus attached yeah. to it. Ooh, ridiculous. So yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, yeah. So now we get to the point where we know there's going to be a, a bomb gonna, is going to go off on a, a US air base. And... Oh no, that's Zurich, isn't it? Yeah, Zurich. and they're gonna. That's going to trigger uh, World War Three, apparently, <laughs> in some sort of convoluted way. They're going to like move in and, and disrupt something. Um, at which point they're going to pay come a load of like. Uh, not supposed to be off with a load of jewelry, but in, but in, but instead, Khan's going to double cross Octopussy and kill him off in a nuclear blast, and take all the all the jewelry for himself. Ha ha ha! I kind of think the jewels are just a ruse, though, isn't it? It's a cover story, basically. Cause she's octo- you know, the Octopussy cult is like a smuggling ring, basically. So they're going to use that as a cover to hide the nuclear device, and it's like, oh, again, needlessly complicated. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, Dave is right that the plot is kind of shit, but. You know, but I do like this sequel. I like the kind of. I have to say, even though they quite often don't look like Roger Moore, this has some of the better action set pieces of John Glenn's era. Yeah, it does have some really good stunts in it. I do like the, I, the chase I, on top of I the think train. Only licensed to kill matches this that way. I don't know. I think you've, you know, um... living daylight stunts are quite good as yeah. well. I think. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's there's a couple in that, but yeah. The set pieces are good. It's just any time anyone like stops and talks, does anything. <laughs> yeah, it's only dialogue scenes. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, even Louis Jordan, he, he does his best. I think. I actually quite like the um, backgammon scene. Yeah, they're the swab off. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, what's, that's a highlight for me. I like yeah. how, I like how he's just getting like really annoyed every time. But think like, about that for a minute. My highlight of this film. No, is I didn't say backgammon. <laughs> Thrilling. But yeah. Um. So yeah, I think it's. I, I think don't it's, like this film, you know. Do you know? No, it, never really. I think Roger's too old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, why? What's his age do? Uh, well, he's two hundred and four years old at this point, <laughs> so it skews the average age age of leading men in Hollywood at oh, this dear. point. <laughs> and it also means that any woman who goes up against him has to deal with like DP Lineman and uh, <laughs> uh, Werther's Originals. <laughs> oh, poor Rod. So just to clarify, folks, this film's crap. <laughs> he thinks of Roger Moore. He does look like he would smell of Werther's Originals, doesn't he? Actually, I think he'd smell vaguely of uh, mints. snuff. Snuff. Yeah. That's what oh dear. Okay, I won't get into that. Um, so, Old Spice. His knob would smell like mint humbugs. Oh. I'm just convinced that like <laughs> you would be convinced he'd be an old man and it, it would all be lacking in hygiene. So you'd have to have a sweet as you went down there. Mint humbugs <laughs> last quite well, so it's, that's what his helmet would smell of. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know how to, re- to respond to that, I'm afraid. So well, anyway... We haven't even mentioned the chat. So anyway, there's like a big... <laughs> no, we don't. So, so anyway, to get things back on track, there's a big um, chase scene with the with the train. Uh, Stephen Burkhoff gets shot chasing the train, which I don't know why. But he, think he's drunk did he? I was fucking it. asleep at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but, but there's a good like, shootout, and then um, there's a, the Bond chases the, the train, gets on the train... He has um, his revenge for 009. Oh, yeah, because he has a fight with the, um, with the knife twins. Uh, one remaining twin. Yeah. yeah uh, he kills one and he's like, This is for my brother. This is That's for 009. 009. <laughs> um, yeah, but I really like the, the scene that follows it where he actually dresses up as a, as a clown. It's one of his five uh, costume changes in that whole sequence. Best scene in the film. <laughs> What about where he wears his gorilla suit as well? He's there like, when they're... Not the best scene. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just to clarify. Check his watch. <laughs> clown good, gorilla bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it is generally good because it is... It's, I think, and I'll be honest, it is the only part of the film that's actually tense. Yeah, the team, because you've got the camera. Well, I was pretty tense you? all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, finish! <laughs> Get on with it, hurry up. This film, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing you didn't like Watch this film, Dave. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> oh my face. Oh my so God. anyway, I'll, anyway, I like like this bit, uh, even though it's kind of Roger's got uh, dressed up as a clown, looks ridiculous. But if, have he, you got doubts because he's too old, Chris? <laughs> probably. But, yeah, the um, can't hold, but there can't is like it. a there is a nice sort of you know panic to it and where he's like tries to convince like there's a bomb you know and people like, are hell, there's a bomb in there yeah of and he literally deactivates it literally up to zero second like i love the fact that he's having a chat about it when there's 90 seconds to go he's like <laughs> there's a bomb in there and, yeah, and, and it's going to go off at this time which is 90 seconds from now and i'm thinking you just wasted 15 seconds there. <laughs> yeah get on with it good girl you just said it faster if you weren't too old <laughs> ruins this film you know Oh really? <laughs> anyway, so no, I'm, I must Bond. Say this, yeah, this the, it really does improve in the last like half an hour of the film when he when he gets to the scene where you know he dresses up as a clown. Why did you go and wake me up for that bit? <laughs> wake so, up so basically, we'll 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 sum this movie up right now, right? We clown good, gorilla bad. Yes, <laughs> yes. 
That's it. That's a podcast title and a half. Um, but no, what I think what, what you'd like watch the very beginning of the film. Once he goes to India, just just skip everything except for the bits with uh, Lewis Jordan, and and then like just skip to the end bit. I got a better idea. As he gets to, as he's about to go skinny dipping with Melina Havelock, just before the parrot starts fucking talking to Maggie Thatcher, stop and imagine when he got out of the water, he was on the rock of Gibraltar and go straight to the living daylights. Oh, Fuck the two films. Shit. Skip the two films altogether. Okay. It's not a bad idea, but then again, you miss out on Christopher Walken. Goodness. Um, yeah, he makes that movie. Actually, oh my God. I, I will. I will. I think, and we're two weeks away, so I can't say for certain. I think I'm going to rank a view to a kill above this. <gasps> I think you are. I think yeah, you I think are. you are as well, actually. No, I really do because, like, I, I'm not saying this isn't a better film, but I hate it. It's really fucking boring. A view to a kill. There's bits I laugh at and find funny, and and there's even bits I'm angry at. Like, I, I don't like Mayday, and she pisses me off. But it's at least eliciting a reaction. Most of this film I'm struggling to stay awake and concentrate through. It's really bad. For that reason, it's so boring. And boring is the worst thing you can be. I'm, th- I'm feeling you just might be worse than Diamonds for you. No. Okay. Right. Um... <laughs> I don't know. Actually. No, that surprises me. Possible. I don't think so. I think... Um... I was just about to give you a good reason why it's not as bad as Diamonds, and then I realised I've got nothing to defend this fucking thing with. Well, it's not as bad as Diamonds, because... And then I realised there's no words after because. No. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, for all its faults, Diamonds is entertaining. Whereas, like, with this, I mean, it just has... Well, no, it's it's, it's funny. When? (laughs) Um... Winton Kidd? I don't it's know. funny when I go off the point and talk about carrier fucking pigeons. It's got nothing <laughs> to do with the film. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, so basically we you have a... hear Chris's frustrations, listeners. <laughs> he wants to talk about the film. Anyway. So do I, I'm, 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 I'm just film. trying to get to the end. <laughs> it's like, right, okay. We get to the oh, end. There's, 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 there's a big hot air balloon. Q's in it. And... Uh, he gets, a, he gets some action from the And a bunch of belly oh, dances. Oh, like... We missed tits close up. Hmm? Oh, yeah, we have. <laughs> we missed the Q scene entirely. It's not really interesting. Um... Fucking hell, that's another example, though. You've got a man who's 204 years old going, <laughs> Look, tits! <laughs> God. I just, yeah, I just remember <laughs> that bit. I just remember that Look, He is literally zooming in on boobs. Fucking cleavage. And it's like, I'll show you the crack of my ass if you're that fucking turned on by it. I mean, look, I was going to go, I was going to how, how much of a shit character how they built up Octopussy as this strong uh, female woman who's got, who's, who's got like her own army of, uh, of female smugglers. She's a tremendous but, advert for the blow wave. And, <laughs> and, 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 and literally, like, as, as they try to confront uh, Khan, she gets taken hostage. And she's a damsel in distress for the, the entire thing. It's like, well, yeah, you're, you're wet, it's, wet, it's, wet, it's girl the power right there. An inspector, isn't it? Pretty much, she's shown up to be this really strong woman. She's out for revenge, yeah. and really, she just, she's, yeah, damsel in distress and gets a good slapping off Gabinda at the end. Yeah, basically. Like, oh, so it's <laughs> like, yeah, well, that's not very well handled. Uh, so, I mean, I, I do like the idea that Bond just jumps on a plane 
<laughs> just on top of it, just hangs on. And so there's a big scene where it's obviously not Roger as well. Well, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I, to, be honest, to be I, Roger, but like, find a stuntman that looks vaguely like him. But the problem is, how do you find a stuntman that looks like he's two hundred and four? <laughs> I just hope Roger doesn't listen to this. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Roger. I love you. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't actually. You're fucking rubbish, is James Bond. <gasps> yeah, <on>. so, <laughs> that's pretty much it. I think we've kind of reached the end now because Kamal they basically killed off in the plane crash. Yeah, and it's like oh James. Yeah, and, and yeah, and uh, is it is it Gobba? Uh, Govinda, Gobba. that's the one. Govinda, yeah. yeah. He, he, oh, he right. Gobba was um, Spy Beckinsale's character from Porridge. I was gonna say yeah, from. <laughs> so get uh, yeah. I, I, the one thing I noticed that he clearly had a parachute. Like, and I know he obviously did. he would have had a parachute when he what, when he got kicked off the plane. But it don't matter at the moment. This is nice, safe entertainment for everybody. Basically, Bond gets the girl. That's quite sure. Bond gets the girl. Yeah. Well, well, after, Which immediately, by... just it just comes off a bit, you know, dodgy pedo scout leader. <laughs> it's just, uh, it, it it's just absolutely ruinous. And the thing is, <laughs> it's not it's, it's not inherently his age, because I cannot imagine Daniel Craig at fifty five looking this much of a fucking old man. And Roger Moore's aged quite well. I mean, he looked better in the role in his mid-40s than, than Connery ever would. But there's nothing left at this point. They've got nothing else left to do with the character. It's all goofy humour. None of it's very funny. He's put against leading lady that ladies that are decades younger than him. It's embarrassing. Well, there's, Maud there's Adam, a 20-year gap between her and Maud Adams. Sorry? Is there like a 20-year gap or something between well, him and Maud Adams? that's comparatively not bad, actually. No, well, it might be 20 exactly, but... But, you know, like it's just... It's not working. None of it's working. You can't do the action anymore. And it's such a shame, because last week they proved that, like, you can work around an old man in the role. I don't like this film, by the way. <laughs> I, I I think we should do a commentary, a commentary with uh, Octopussy. Yeah, that'd be good love. I will happily swap you Live and Let Die for Octopussy. And we can do Octopussy and A View to a Kill. It's tempting. It's tempting. Nah, let's do it then. Why not? It's tempting. I don't know. Look, well, why don't we throw out to listeners? What do they say? Well, I don't you know because want... you won't. Because they're the ones who are going to have to listen to it. Let's commentaries. face it. We can mention it on Twitter and see what they say. Yeah. But I think, I think with the, um, the How Did They Get Made as well. Um, I think people are asking for us to do a commentary on a video call because that's when he really, really is too old. And Roger knows it as well. Yeah, whereas this week he just looks, you know... He just looks it. Fit. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't want his own son. I mean, the thing is, at least in a view to a kill, he goes to bed with, like, a fucking oak tree. It's very (laughs) difficult to say he's too old for that oak tree. Oh, dear. Um, I honestly... I've really feared... Nah, feared's the wrong word. I was a little bit... I was always worried about doing Octopussy because I know there's a lot of people out there who think it's underrated and all the rest of it. But I've always been bored by it. And I thought, no, I'll sit down properly and I'll do all the special features. And I like the previous film. And I've not had a problem with Roger all the way through, even though his films aren't that good. So I thought, I'll be okay with this. Sat down and watched it tonight. Still hate it. Still think it's incredibly dull. Uh, this this series, I, if this was the the standard from then on, 
it would never have got to now. This series would have died because this, this is offering me nothing at this point except a plane flying out of a horse's ass. It does start with a plane and end with a plane. Does it? I've never been awake at the end. What <laughs> I just, I've just suddenly realised. I just thought out loud. Oh, yeah. um, Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Wow, ladies, Isn't it just... you're all wet listening to this now. <laughs> So, what's coming up next, Becky? I love the way Chris so... said last week, this is our shortest ever podcast. Which it wasn't, actually. We've done a couple of shorts. Actually, what? No. Really oh, well, yes, We're it. struggling to get past that. No. It, it, it is uh, Man with the Golden Gun length, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, the thing is, um, I say last week, yeah, Man with the Gold Gun was a while ago, but it came out about an hour and 40. We haven't even recorded for that long yet, and there's bound to be a bit of editing and shit at the start. And you think, well, uh, Doctor No was a bit shorter, and I think the intro episode was a bit shorter. And that's about it. I think they've all run a bit longer than that. (laughs) We're at an era that has nothing to say. They're, They're quite boring films to research. I said that last week with For Your Eyes Only. What saved that film was the film was good. Uh, but this is a too old leading man and everyone's been in the role too long. It needs a change of personnel. Not just Bond, it needs a change of personnel. Full stop. Because no, everything after... You, you could happily stop. You could happily watch Live and Let Die for your eyes only, and then skip straight to the Living Daylights, because the rest of Roger Moria is a waste of time. The, the thing is, like, it's, like, it's like what I said, I thought, I, you know, Moonwaker should have been Roger's last, and should have, because for your eyes only would have been a perfect film for a harder bond oh. to come in. Yep. For, to, like, to, kick up, to kick off like a new era of, of, a, of a bond, and you would have had, you wouldn't have necessarily had these problems as you do now. Mm. No. I, I mean, the thing is, I, I have to admit that anyone listening, most people like The Spy Who Loved Me. Becca likes The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, With respect to that. Absolutely great. But for me, Living That Die is pretty good. And then it's rubbish until... The, the Spy Who Loved Me is pretty good for the first half an hour or so. And then it falls apart. Yeah, you I like Moonraker, though. Your Eyes Only, which is terrific. And then nothing. You like Moonraker as well. What a waste of 12 years. You like yes, Moonraker? Moon Moonraker, um, again, it's relative to expectations. I expected nothing from Moonraker. Everyone hates Moonraker. It's not that bad. Jackson no, uh, you know, again, this is all relative. That that most of the Roger Moore era is disappointing, but it's not. It's all right. It's watchable. Nothing he's done is as bad as Diamonds. I don't think. Nothing. I think he's gonna do is as bad as diamonds. There's only one to go. The, th- the thing with Rog is he does, and uh, I think you might disagree, but I, to me, he has an air of charm. He's, you know. No, I agree. I think that he's both the making and the ruining of these films. That he ruins them because it's his sensibility that are making them these goofy fucking things they are. But at the same time. You've, if you had to cast somebody who's several years too old in a role and have them get by... It might as well be Roger Moore. It might <laughs> as well be Roger Moore because he's really likeable and, and yeah. a really great guy. He, he's such a problem for me in these films, but at the same time he's almost not a problem at all. 
I just think he was miscast. He's not very good in the role. All the early sort of stuff about, oh, it's not that bad has now faded as I've watched several shit films in a row from him. But if you're going to put a Bond at the centre of a bad Bond film, it might as well be Roger Moore because he's, he's really likeable. But yeah, it's been a strange <laughs> thing for me because we started off with, I don't like Roger Moore. Watched the first one and went, oh, he's not too bad. And then I watched the second one and went, well, the film's crap, but he's not too bad. And then I watched the next couple and went, well, the films are crap, but he's not too bad. <laughs> and then I got to the next one and went, he's crap, but the film's not bad. <laughs> and it's just like everything's compromised. I've not seen Roger Moore in too many good films where he's good. There's always something wrong, either the film shit or he shit. And yeah, this is this is no longer James Bond to me. This is a parody. It might as well be fucking Leslie Nielsen. Well, I enjoyed it anyway. So there, you go. Oh. there we are. So to summarise, this film shit suck my balls. Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I I enjoy it. Uh, it has its faults, as I'm sure Dave has pointed out. <laughs> I haven't mentioned it. I've just been chatting about the film. Have I mentioned I think Roger Moore's way too old in this film? And it's actually a bit of an embarrassment and he's crap. I think we should save that for when we talk to Vito Kill, because I, I would actually meet... I would agree with you at that point, Dave, but it'll take me another film to get there. A view to a kill, at least for me, and that's, this is purely me, because, you know... I've got a bit of nostalgia with it, because it's the first film I saw... I kind of have a little bit of fun with elements of it. And also it plays more, more like an out-and-out comedy. Whereas this film is trying to be serious in places and I just think it fails badly. I think, it, I think it's very uneven. I think, there's a, I think there was like... Production wanted to go for the typical silly Roger Moore humour and I think like John Glenn wanted like a more harder action movie like like the previous one well last week and I, th- and I think, and, I think it just... and his last film and The Living Daylights I mean really of John Glenn's era you've got this and A View to a Kill that are like the goofier ones and I think at that point well it's the age of his leading man you know I, I think you can't judge John Glenn on that whatever you think of him as a director three of his five films are, are really solid hmm it's like yeah, it's you, get, get to this point. It's, it's like awful, you can tell people, the thing with John Glenn is like when it comes like th- there is an attempt to be gritty. It's just that it's it is at the same time it's within the compounds of a Roger Moore James Bond film. <laughs> you know, it's like, like yeah, that's it, true. It, it, <laughs> even with a view to a kill, like you know, there are harder moments. Think, oh, actually, you know, I mean, we should, I should say this for next week, and I'll just repeat myself. But or the week afterwards, but you know, the bit where. Chris Walken just like massacres his entire workforce with an, with an Uzi. It's like that's not off a typical Roger Moore James Bond film. But, that's quite dark, isn't it? Yeah. So it has those mo like those moments of like, oh, that's that's a bit that's different. Oh, that's that's a bit more like it. that's how. But you've the problem is you've got a character who's got a license to kill. To justify that, the villains have got to be pretty bad. Hmm. And if you're it was already psychotic, so where your leading man's quite clownish you're going to end up with tonal inconsistency. And I've tried to be kind to Roger Moore, because like, we had to watch seven of them in a row, well, with the exception of um, a short break for Never Say Never Again. 
And I didn't want to be negative all the way through. And I've genuinely, you know, he's come to join the pack now. He's not this embarrassment I thought he was. But I've watched most of his era now, and the films have been wildly disappointing. And he's pushed them in this really goofy direction that doesn't work. And what, what, when you were in something like Live and Let Die and, and The Man with the Golden Gun, you got away on the fact that whatever his actual numerical age was, he had this really youthful air about him. Now we've got Leslie Nielsen in the role. And it, it's just, it, it is not working. And I just, I don't know what else was going on in sort of action cinema around this time. I only, I'm only grateful to, I'm only sort of pleased for Roger that like the world didn't shift four years in a different direction and he had to go up against like Lethal Weapon and Die Hard and stuff like that because this would be utterly fucking embarrassing against that. Yeah, that'll never make it really, would it? So, I'm, 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 I'm just thinking of a world where Roger Moore is still James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> and also, <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah, it would be an out-and-out comedy. <laughs> I would love it. I mean, if you want to cast 88-year-old Roger Moore as James Bond, I'm up for that. I'd rather that than 58-year-old Roger Moore because they were still trying to sell this man as, like, catnip to the ladies. And it didn't work. And At this like, point, well, no, sorry. They were ignoring the elephant in the room. And it really comes up in a view to a kill when they're all at the race course. And you're just like, this, this isn't working. Why is there nobody who, can knock, who, can, who can't confront the fact that, like, these guys all need to be retired now and replaced with somebody else. And Eon just politely waited for these guys to say, actually, yeah, I've had enough, I'll quit. You know, at no point did they say, it's time to replace you guys. And I think I think they were actively trying. I think you just couldn't find anyone better at the time. And, you know, it's, I don't know. And I say, as you say, circumstances when it came, when it came to yeah. never say never again. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll talk about never say never again next week. And yeah, the reason Roger still in this film, and again, I've, I must separate the man from the actor from the era. That I don't mind Roger Moore as much as I thought as James Bond, but I don't like him in the eight the mid eighties as James Bond, and whatever I think of him as James Bond. I really like Roger Moore very, very much as a man. I went to see him live only a couple of months ago. I think the world of the guy, I think he's terrific. So it kind of pains me as much as we've had a bit, you know, a bit of a laugh at me slagging this off tonight. It kind of pains me to, to do this because he's a great guy and these films are like comfortable enough to watch, but they could have been really good. There were people out there in the early 80s like Lewis Collins, like Timothy Dalton that that could have made good films of this. But instead you've got this old man there constantly mugging and playing it for laughs. And I'd be fine if they were funny they're not. And I think Octopussy, we'll see when we get to A View to Kill, but I actually think Octopussy is the nadir of his era because Moonraker's nowhere near as bad as people make out. He still kind of looks the part. It's all right for three quarters of its running time as well. And A View to a Kill has some lazy batshit bits about it we can have a good laugh at. And also he's got a very good rapport with um, Patrick McNee. And you've also got um, Christopher Walken in it. This film's just boring. What we've watched tonight just bores the shit out of me. 
Hang on that note. I really hoped for better. I really went into this thinking, like, I'll like this tonight. And, and I'll, like, go, I'll, I'll have, like, seen the light. And actually, I'm, I've sat here and given the review tonight that I would have given before we even started this series. Nothing's changed. I hate this uh, film. Oh, well. <laughs> so, Becca, what's coming next? Well, next, obviously, is this week, it's the Battle of the Bonds. Um, we should be taking a break from the normal Bond canon and reviewing Never Say Never again um, before moving on to... We're doing Thunderball to... again, basically. Never Basically, say really never much. again. That's not a Bond film, surely. It's not an official Bond movie for me. It doesn't count. It's not in the canon. It doesn't have the gun barrel and oh, all manner of wrongness. Uh, yeah, I've hate. I've dreaded this bit of the series. I'm glad I enjoyed For Your Eyes Only as much as I did because I, I haven't guess. enjoyed this week. Yes, I'm Mom. pretty sure I'm not going to enjoy Never Say Never Again. And you two, it's not a great <laughs> film either. Uh, but at least then I'll I'll have a few laughs at it. So from a um, personal standpoint, I've not seen... Uh, well, I say that um, License to Kill is probably one of my least watched Bond movies. Never Say Never Again is my all-time least watched Bond movie. It's not even a real Bond movie. Mm. Um, I haven't seen it that many times. Um, I'm not that familiar with it, so I'm looking forward to going over it again for sure. And then going, how awful is it? <laughs> yeah, and we can, t- we can fill in the rest of the story since, since Thunderbolt. That we, we talked about how we ended up with Kevin McClory and, and we did hint at where this would go with splitting the series and lots of lawsuits. Well, really, we picked the story up in 1975 when the the 10 years since Thunderball has elapsed and suddenly Kevin McClory wants to make another Bond film. And it, it it's an eight-year story. It won't take me eight years to tell you that story. <laughs> and it won't even take me eight minutes to tell you that story. But it culminates in Never Say Never Again, which is part of the reason, and I, I talked about this in the intro episode, it's the main reason we've got Roger Morris, James Bond, and Octopussy, to be honest. They just had to put an established name up against the most famous James Bond. After the Bonds, there it um, is. But Never Say Never Again was a threat that Eon took very seriously. They fought very hard in the courts to try to stop it. They did stop it for a number of years. We'll tell that story next week. What we're going to end up with is not a Bond film as we know it, but it's still Sean Connery as the character James Bond. And uh, it's an interesting film to talk about. It's all because I have fond memories of... uh, uh, When people talk about what's your first Bond film, it's like, it is literally the one I remember, you know, I think the earliest one I've ever seen. So this could actually be the first Bond film I've actually ever saw. Oh, I, I, I do I remember, obviously, because I'm a, a few years older than you guys. I remember the press around it, in that, like, I remember like Saturday morning kids TV. It, I mean, you know, Saturday Superstore type stuff, going live type stuff, where they were going live? where they Uh-oh. were talking about how he was back, and how even though it was a wig, he still looks great. And I, I do remember that. I'm thinking the person I saw say that is probably about 16 <laughs> But, yeah, well, it'll be an interesting episode because this film that we're going to get to next week, if you haven't seen it, folks, it's so different. It really is. It's a Bond film. It's still got the M scene. It's still got the main villain. It's even got Blofeld in it. And it's even a remake of one we reviewed, but it's really different. Yeah, this is the this is the film that Kevin McClory set out to make and... You know, he was finally able to make it. 
So I think it's one of those things that um, the production history surrounding it is probably a bit more interesting to the film itself. So The film itself is really fucking boring, actually. But we'll talk through it next week. <laughs> well, um, we may... Yeah, well, at least got a bond who's younger. Oh, oh wait, no, we haven't. Oh, he is slightly younger than Roger. In fact, in two year, in fact, he's two years younger than Roger is this week. So, yeah. It's, it looks um, nice and tanned, though. So. Uh, yeah, neither of... This doesn't... I mean, it's not only... It's not a particularly timeless era, either. I mean, this stuff looks very dated now. Uh, Roger Moore... Aged better than Sean Connery in a lot of ways, and none of it's particularly good. But there's an interesting story to be told around it, and um, yeah, we hope you'll join us and 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 uh, we'll we'll tell you that story. It's really interesting stuff. So I'll sign off that then. Expect us to talk. We'll return with Never Say Never again. <laughs>